Welcome to the podcast ministry of Pilgrim Baptist Church. Wherever you're listening from, welcome. We pray that the truth from the Word of God speaks to your heart during today's message. And I think we left off on the do's. Now we're going to be on the don'ts. 1 Thessalonians chapter number two. It really is the chapter that gives us the model ministry. And like I said, we already did um, what we what we should do. We can follow this example um, on the positives. Now we're going to wrap it up on the negatives, what we don't want to do. The do nots of a model ministry. First Thessalonians two. And let's start reading at verse number three. For our exhortation was not of deceit, nor of uncleanness, nor in guile. Three points to this verse that we are going to look at. Um, The Thessalonians knew that Paul was different. They knew that deceitfulness, uncleanness, guile, that was not his way. And so there was trust that was built. And this... Thessalonian church saw much fruit. The deceitfulness that we have all experienced in one way, shape, form, or another is pretty rampant in churches in America. A lot of people don't leave churches necessarily because of doctrine. They just find out somebody did something that was deceitful. And then because of that, Trust is lost. The people, they just don't feel, and rightfully so, like they, they want to go there. The doctrine of that church didn't change <laughs> at all. But when deceit happens, it's a big, it's a big deal. And it's not impossible to recover from, but a pattern of that, it becomes almost impossible, especially in today's standards. Because people are already, they're already on edge. They already have their walls up. They already are untrusting. I mean, just look at the world we live in. (laughs) So now we want them to come to church. And not to say that they're looking, but they certainly are just, everybody's just at that spot. So we don't want to be deceitful in anything that we do. We want to have, we want to show our full hand. We want everybody to know what we're about. And we want to do our best to take this warning of a do not so that we can have a model church ministry. And then it says in verse number three, uh, not of deceit, nor of uncleanness. We have to ask ourselves, I have to ask myself, is our motive pure? Uncleanness would be an un, it, 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 an example of that would be an impure motive. It would be my way or your way of setting something up that would be impure. It would be it would be unclean, and that's what that's what we're talking about here. Um, they knew the Thessalonians. They knew that Paul. They trusted him that he wouldn't lead them into leading an unclean or an impure life, a life of purity and a, and a life of holiness. 
And these wannabe preachers are fake preachers. They just want to give people a license to sin. And it's unclean. And God's not going to bless that. God's not going to be in that. That's that's an unclean motive. Um, I remember somebody telling me a story about a preacher that a husband and wife are having a problem. And here's what the problem was. The dad, true story, won't tell you who it is or what church it is. But true story, the dad uh, didn't like the, the fact that his, his preteen kids were getting involved in the Harry Potter stuff. He thought it was, you know, witch stuff. And so um, him and his wife were having a bit of a dispute on this. They couldn't come to an agreement, so they go to the preacher. The advice that preacher gave that, that husband and wife uh, couple was he said that the dad, you're just over the top and you're going too far. And he went even further with the advice he just couldn't, he just couldn't, the, the father just couldn't have a settlement in his heart about it. He just felt real strongly about it. Um, the pastor advised the wife to leave him. Unclean, impure, deceitful, just downright wrong. Now he could have said, he, if he didn't agree with the dad, he could have at least said, look, He's the father of the home. Trust his leadership on this. Go with it. Maybe I don't agree with it 100%, but it's important for you to be able to get behind your man, stand beside your man. I mean, he could have he could have been in disagreement with this guy and twisted it and, and kind of spun it on a, on a different note than what he did. I'm just telling you, this stuff happens all the time. All the time. And... We just need to be careful of uncleanness. We want our motives to be pure. And we don't want to set something up to be impure. So we have that in that verse, nor of deceit, nor of uncleanness, nor in guile. That's to cunningly or craftily disguise something. Um, and Paul had no strategy that was designed around trickery. That wasn't Paul's motive. They trusted Paul as a real true minister of the gospel. Of Jesus Christ and that's what we want the community to see our church as we can trust those folks they're they're true ministers of Jesus Christ Psalm 32 verse 2 said blessed is the man whom the Lord imputeth not iniquity and in whose spirit there is no guile Psalm 34 13 the Bible says keep thy tongue from evil and thy lips from speaking guile what does that mean Let's take a minute to just pause and think about our lips. Are they cunning? Are they craftily disguised? Are they speaking guile? You need to be careful of that, all of us. John, 4, uh, John uh, 1, 47, Jesus saw Nathanael coming to him and saith of him, Behold, an Israelite indeed in whom is no guile. Jesus Christ is our example. We should strive to be like him. No guile in Jesus Christ. The perfect, perfect, perfect example. First Peter 2, 1 says, Wherefore, laying aside all malice and all guile. Don't we sometimes just like to keep a little deceitfulness, just a little uncleanness, just a little bit of guile? It's, it, you know, it's like the extra bullet in your holster. 
because when you use it, you know it'll be for a good cause. Amen. <laughs> Don't we like to do that on some things? And First Peter 2 says, just lay it all aside. Meaning, if there was a righteous way to have guile, you wouldn't be the guy that would use it right. <laughs> so God says, look, just lay it all aside. You don't need any of it. Remember Jesus in whom is no guile. Let's move on in, in 1 Thessalonians chapter 2. We just read uh, and went through verse 3. Verse 4. But as we were allowed of God to be put in trust with the gospel. Even so we speak. Not as pleasing men, but God, which trieth our hearts. We see in here the positive and the negative. Uh, some people part too much on positives. Some people part too much on negatives. And in the second chapter, we see a balance of both the do's and then the don'ts. And God, in his wisdom, has given us this negative as of, of, look, this is a warning. Don't do this. Not as pleasing men, but God. Which trieth our hearts. Men can't try our hearts. I don't know your heart. I don't know anybody's heart. And you don't know my heart. And you don't know anybody's heart. We can glean some opinions on it. And we might be close to right. But we just don't know people's heart. God does. He tries the heart. He knows. You know, it's just some These heart issues are between you, you and God. Relationships are heart issues. You know, no one is really going to give you their full heart. They're always going to keep back something. It's rare to find two people who their hearts are just completely open about um, everything. I'm sure that it, it, it's a rarity, but it, it, it's just not the way people are. We're, we're bent to walls and distance and this is my my space. They make a social media out of that. <laughs> this is okay. And some of these things, uh, we won't go too far off on a rabbit trail on this. But some of these things, you know, this MySpace, this Facebook, this Instagram, the, the all of these social platforms, they are. Look, we put sermons on 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 all of them. You know, the ones that we can. And we want people to get, I mean, you can use it for good. There's no doubt about that. I mean, the people that come, they saw a, one visitor this morning, they saw a sign, just the real estate signs we put out. And then from there, I went to the website, and they were just listening to sermons. And people do that nowadays. They're going to check out a church online, and they're going to listen, whether it's on Facebook or YouTube or the website. And, I mean, it's the platform's there. But I started what I started to say was it can certainly be used for evil. And part of that is. You can build your own little distance and your own little wall from people because you got my space. This is my little space. You got my book, my face. This is my Facebook. This is where I get all my I can shut out everybody else. And it's just me and the Facebook. And then they have some of these other other media platforms as well that I don't know so much about. But we need to be careful. We God tries our hearts. 
And we started to say the negative here in verse number four, the Bible says not as pleasing men. If we want to have a model ministry, we don't want to be men pleasers. If our goal is trying to please everybody, well, first, if my goal as a preacher is trying to please everybody, I might as well just retire early because it's not going to happen. It isn't. If your job and if our job just as Christians is to try to please everybody, we're just going to have a hard time. Now, Paul, he did not have in the back of his head these thoughts. I want to balance these, this out here. I wonder how I could teach this so that everybody would be pleased with me. You imagine a minister of the gospel walking up behind a pulpit and having that thought in his head. Hmm. I don't think I would be pleased with that. Paul wasn't trying to win applause. All right, let me let me hook it this way and then bring him in and then I'll get the standing ovation. I remember a comedian. He said uh, this was years back. I, I heard this guy. and He's a speaker and he uses humor. And is speaking and he teaches other speakers on how to use humor properly. And so one of the things he said is, here's how you can always get a standing ovation after every speech that you give at the end. And so what he would do is he he goes and I'll, I'll show you at the end how I do this. And so he would have everybody stand up at the end and he'd say um, right when he was about ready, ready to close his speech, he would say, all right, everybody just stand up and stretch out your legs, stretch out your arms. And then he had everybody standing and then he would close it out and he would get, you know, everybody to, to clap. And he was using a, a humorous way on how he can get you as a speaker to get a standing ovation. Paul is not doing that. And God is not. He's saying, look, don't do these things. Don't have in the back of your head a way to set up people to get a result. So that you can win their applause or so that you can please them. He wasn't trying to go up there and just try to make them have this good, feel good, you know, snuggle bug, bug feeling. But at the same time, Paul's heart's desire wasn't at the same time to try to just defend people. That wasn't his heart's desire either. It's not like Paul went around looking down on people either. And looking at them like they don't have any value. So there's a balance of this. And I think both need to be talked about so that we understand we're not trying to please men. That doesn't mean you throw the ball so hard the other way that now your goal is you're just going to offend everybody you meet and just be rude and look at them with no value. There is a cliff to just skydive off on both sides. We really do need to be careful. And I think a lot of people read Bible verses. And they go so far on the other side with it that they end up being unbiblical as well. Um, it's obeying one verse to rest your destruction on another verse that you should have obeyed. Now, how do you obey all the verses? Like we talked about this morning, we got to live by faith. You got to live by faith. Um, Paul's purpose of his preaching was to proclaim God's truth. And his purpose was to honor God. His purpose, he wanted to win Christ. He wanted to please God. He wanted God's seal of approval. He didn't want man's seal of approval. I don't think God would be pleased, and I don't think we would get God's seal of approval if we just made it our purpose to offend people and be rude to them and just 
go the whole other way with it. So how do we please God? Let's look at three cross-references as we're understanding what we should not do. We should not be men-pleasers. Let's go, um, let's get Galatians, Hebrews, and 1 Corinthians. All right, let's get over to Galatians chapter number one. And then let's go over to Hebrews chapter number 11. And then let's get 1 Corinthians chapter number one. Let's do Galatians chapter one first. Galatians chapter one. And here's how we can please God. The first thing we're going to point out tonight is we need to preach him. Verse number 15 says, but when it pleased God who separated me from my mother's womb and called me by his grace to reveal his son in me that I might preach him among the heathen. See that? Preach him among the heathen. You want to please God? We need to preach him. Let's go over to Hebrews chapter number 11. We need to have a testimony. Hebrews chapter 11, verse 5. Well, we will have a testimony, but let's see here. Hebrews 11, verse 5. By faith, Enoch was translated that he should not see death and was not found because God had translated him. For before his translation, he had this testimony that he pleased God. Let's all ask ourselves, does our testimony please God? Every time we walk into a situation, if we can ask ourselves this question, Hebrews 11.5, Enoch had a testimony that pleased God. And man, he gets translated, doesn't even have to die. That's pretty good. Uh, now, What's the point of, of, of the verse for tonight, at least? You want to please God? Preach him. You want to please God? Have a testimony that God says, man, I like that. I really like that. First Corinthians chapter one. Preach him. Have a testimony that's pleasing to him. And here's how you please God. By the foolishness of preaching. First Corinthians chapter number one. Let's start reading verse 17. For Christ sent me not to baptize, but to preach the gospel, not with wisdom of words, lest the cross of Christ should be made of none effect. For the preaching of the cross is to them that perish foolishness, but unto us which are saved, it is the power of God. For it is written, I will destroy the wisdom of the wise and will bring to nothing the understanding of the prudent. Where is the wise? Where is the scribe? Where is the disputer of this world? Hath not God made the wisdom of this world? After that, in the wisdom of God, the world by wisdom knew not God. It pleased God. It pleased God. It pleased God by the foolishness of preaching to save them that believe. You want to please God? Preach him, have a testimony that's pleasing to him, and by the foolishness of preaching. I mean, that's how we don't, that's how we can please God and not have to worry about being a man pleaser. 
If we do those three things, we will by default not fall into the negative of when the warning is in the cha second chapter of First Thessalonians to not be not as men pleasers. If we can preach him, have a testimony where God says, man, I like that. And we just stay on track with the foolishness, foolishness of preaching. There was a quote, I don't know who said it, but it says, I can't tell you the key to success, but the key to failure is trying to please everyone. <laughs> I thought that was a pretty good quote. Let's go back to First Thessalonians. And we're in verse number five, First Thessalonians chapter two, verse number five. Look what it says here. For neither at any time used we flattering words, as you know, nor a cloak of covetousness. God is a witness. So we see, as you know, they know it. And then God is their witness. He knew it. But flattering words, it's excessive praise. It just goes beyond what is merited. Someone says, oh, you're so beautiful. You're so rich. You're so gifted. But all the while, they never reveal to them the grave danger that they're in these flattering words preachers that never preach or teach in a way that convicts someone of sin never brings their heart under Holy Spirit conviction those two things sin conviction guilt of sin all of that is removed because the marketing experts say we don't want people to feel bad but God says you need to feel bad you need to be convicted. Um, people can't keep jobs anymore because they're just afraid. They're scared to death that the boss might say, well, no, you did that wrong. So we're going to do it this way. Yeah, but I like doing it this way. O okay. Well, so did you start the company? No. Okay. Did you invest thousands of dollars over the years trying to get? No. Okay. Well, then just be quiet and listen. Well, I don't. And, and people can't function. I mean, they just, it's amazing to me how much people complain and they can't follow instruction. It's, it's just amazing. Some of them should just try to go out on their own and see if they can make it. And usually that kind of fixes the problem. You know, the guy's got a better way to plumb. Well, go start your own plumbing company. I'll come work for you. How's that? And, um, but, but the Thessalonians, this was not the case with Paul. They trusted his integrity. They did. And he was a man that people could follow. And people that are willing to learn, people that can humble themselves, they'll find Paul's, whether it's church, whether it's work, whether it's a company, and then they'll follow those people because they trust their integrity. And uh, someone said this, flattery is like chewing gum. Enjoy it, but don't swallow it. <laughs> Good thing to do when you get praise just to pass it on. I just thank the Lord. Someone says, uh, you know, hey, I really like the way you did X. Well, my, you know, my parents trained me right. Or I really like this. Yep, I've had good teachers. Or 
it's a good it's a good habit to get into. I'm not saying you're sinning if you don't do it. I'm just saying it's a good habit. If you get a praise, hey, praise God. Now, some people I get a kick out of. I'm not saying it's right or wrong. It's just me. I'm probably wrong. <laughs> but, you know, by default, you know, people, you know, anytime you say any of them, praise God, praise the Lord. Praise, I don't even think they think half the time. It's just a default mechanism. You want to be engaged with people as they, as they speak to you and as they talk to you. And it, it's okay sometimes to just say thank you. I don't have the answer for a lot of these social social situations. But I think a lot of times is, you know, kind of how when the Bible talks about you want to, uh, you don't want to pray in, it doesn't say anything about repetition. It qualifies and says vain repetition. Sometimes we get in these prayers where it's just meaningless and vain. But you, probably like me, don't you pray the same prayer over and over again a lot? Some people have been praying for a lost friend for years. Same prayer. Keep repeating that prayer. Just don't let it become meaningless and just wrote words. The same thing when someone gives you a praise and you want to give it to God, I guess the point I'm trying to draw out is don't make it be vain. If you're going to say, yeah, praise the Lord or thank the Lord or to God be the glory. What I'm saying is don't let it be like a vain, repetitive prayer where it's just words coming out. If you're going to pass the praise to God, don't just be vain about it. And spew it out. Think about it. Meditate on it. Really make it come from your heart. So it's not a vain thing. But it's a good habit to get into. Is passing praise. God has some warnings. Let's go over to Psalms. Chapter number 12. And Proverbs chapter number 7. Let's get Psalm 12. And let's get Proverbs chapter 7. We'll do Psalm, uh, Psalm 12 first. Psalm chapter 12, verse number 3. The Bible said, the Lord, the Lord shall cut off all flattering lips and the tongue that speaketh proud things. Who have said with our tongue will we prevail? Our lips are our own. Who is Lord over us? Young people got to be able to control your tongue so when you get older, you can control your tongue. You don't want to have a proud tongue. But the Bible says the Lord shall cut off all flattering lips. We need to be careful about flattery. Flattery. Uh, let's go over to Proverbs chapter number seven. Gentlemen, the Bible says with her much fair speech, she caused him to yield with the flattering of her lips. She forced him. Many a young boys, many a young men ruined their testimonies and just got off on the wrong track because they listened to some sweet, flattering lips of, well, a girl they shouldn't have listened to. Fair speech, she caused them to yield with the flattering of her lips. You need to be careful. Proverbs 26, the Bible says, a flattering mouth worketh ruin. Flattery can ruin. 
Job 32, verse 21, the Bible says, Let me not, I pray you, accept any man's person, neither let me give flattering titles unto men. Elihu's saying this under Holy Spirit inspiration. For I know not to give flattering titles. In doing so, watch this, my maker would soon take me away, meaning you and I are going to stand before God. <laughs> we got to be careful about flattering titles and flattering lips. All right, let's move on. I think the next thing we're going to look at in 1 Thessalonians, let me get back there. I think we've got a cloak of covetousness. Verse number five, in the middle of the verse, as we know, nor a cloak of covetousness. The old, here's what you see, but it ain't what it looks like. What we see with our eyes, the cloak, sometimes is a disguise for something else. You show one thing, but your motive is to hide your real intent. So you show forth something to hide something else. Look what it says. Go down to verse 9 in 2 Thessalonians. For ye remember, brethren, our labor and travail for laboring night and day because... We would not be chargeable unto any of you. We preached unto you the gospel of God. Paul doesn't want to put on any type of cloak. He doesn't want to put on any type of cover. He is who he is. And there are people back in Paul's day, and there are people now in our day, there will always be people like this. They put on this cloak of spirituality, put on this cloak of religiosity. But they're really hiding. They might be full of spiritual zeal, but all they want is your money. Matter of fact, one of the biggest charges against preachers is all they want is your money. Oh, all the church wants is your money. <laughs> they do. So in verse 9, it's interesting. We're looking at verse 5. In verse 9, Paul says, I don't want to be. He doesn't want to have any type of cloak. He does. He wants to get rid of all assumptions. And he says, I don't want to be chargeable to anybody. What is it? Because we would not be chargeable unto any of you. He's just real careful. And look what he does in verse number 10. He wants to avoid any cloak of covetousness. And look who he appeals to in verse 10. Your witnesses. And God also. He says, God is my witness and you is my witness. I really like that about Paul. I really do. First Peter 2.16 says, as free and not using your liberty for a cloak of maliciousness. That's what we see as another cloak in the Bible besides the physical cloak or coat. But this cloak of covetousness or this cloak of maliciousness, what is it? It's that coat, that cloak, but it's not a real fabric. It, it's, it's the disguise. So Paul's not going to abuse his liberty by using it as a disguise to sin. Paul, he's not claiming exemption from living a pure life or a holy life or a righteous life or a just life. He's not claiming that exemption. 
And he's not using his liberty as a cloak of maliciousness at all. All right, let's wrap up with one or two more thoughts. The Bible says in 1 Thessalonians chapter 2, verse number 6, uh, Nor of men sought we glory, neither of you, nor yet of others, when we might have been burdensome as the apostles of Christ. Nor of men sought we glory, neither of you, nor yet of others. Paul's not preaching for worldly gain, and he's not preaching to win a popularity contest. That's not Paul. That shouldn't be us. Ravenhill said this, the early church was married to poverty, prisons, and persecutions. Today, the church is married to prosperity, personality, and popularity. That's a good, that's truth right there, man. This modern church is just God wants to spew it out of his mouth. I'm about sick and tired of it. And a lot of people are. We need to get serious about preaching the gospel, not worrying about gaining glory for men or trying to get others to get glory. We need God. And he, he just has to do the work in our hearts. Paul's not seeking glory for himself. Look what he says in the first in the first verse. Of the chapter for yourselves, brethren, know our entrance in unto you that it was not in vain. Paul's labor here with the Thessalonians was not in vain. God was honored, glorified it, and God did provide an increase. The warning here is deceitfulness, pleasing men. Flattering words, covetousness, seeking personal glory, all of those things in and of themselves are vain. And that's the warning. Paul's ministry wasn't in vain and what he did wasn't in vain. But the warning is those things in and of themselves, they absolutely are vain. And that's the warning and the exhortation for us this evening. All right, let's bow and pray. Heavenly Father, thank you for your word. Thank you again. We can meet here freely. Good Bible study to go through some of the don'ts to have a model ministry. Be with us as we travel back home tonight. Help us to live for you this week. In Jesus' name, amen, amen. Thank you for listening to the podcast ministry of Pilgrim Baptist Church. We look forward to seeing you in the next episode. In the meantime, you can sign up for our email newsletter at www.pilgrimbaptist.church.